well, thank you for tuning in on the on this episode of the Leadership Download. Um, today is a, a very interesting uh, podcast. We have uh, Sam Chand. Uh, so Sam Chand, if you haven't heard about him, he is a renowned world speaker on, on leadership. He's an author of many great leadership books. Uh, most recently, uh, he's written the books Ladder Leaders and also um, Change Has Changed, Time for a Strategic Reset. Uh, he's also in charge of the Leadership Institute, um, which uh, Sam will talk about later on uh, in the podcast. And um, Dr. Chan, thank you for uh, taking the time and look forward to having a good chat on talking about leadership. And I'm looking forward to it as well. And please call me Sam. <laughs> All right, will do. Um so we're, today we're going to focus on your recent book called Change Has Changed, um, Time for a Strategic Reset. Uh, both Travis and myself have um, dived into this book, and there's a lot of heavy content in such a uh, in, in, in this book. And so we're going to kind of go through this content and, um, and see how we do and kind of get your further insights on it you know, beyond what, what we've read. Um, so we'll start off by, you know, describe the change that the world has experienced oh, just over the last few years. Change has been all around us forever, but I chose the title of that book uh, simply to say change itself has changed. You know, we've all heard over the years, the only consistent constant in life is change. Uh, I'm here to tell you that's not true change itself the very nature of change the very all the theoretical paradigms behind change and the theories of change and the science behind change all that has shifted uh and and primarily there have been three major shifts that i can tell you so so let me just give everyone an idea of where i'm coming from uh, i'm a leadership consultant i've got clients literally all over the world united states latin america Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Nigeria, India, Philippines. So, so I've, got, I've got clients everywhere. And that means I talk to people from different ecosystems. I'm not in a bubble. So, uh, so what I'm going to do, what I do is basically learn from others <laughs> and wrap it up and put a name on that book and sell it, right? So that's <laughs> what, I, so, so I, this content is not original with me. It's original in the sense of the leaders that I've talked to all over the world. So I would say I've had hundreds, literally hundreds of one-on-one -on -one conversation with leaders around the world. And I distilled from that, curated from there, three major changes that have taken place. Uh, one is our very environment has changed. Number two is we as leaders have changed, you have changed. And number three, the people around you have changed. So the environment has changed, you have changed, and the people around you have changed. Now, the question usually comes up is, so of those three, which is the most important? And I would like to suggest to you that the most important one is the second one in which you have changed, you have changed. So let me just give a little vocabulary over here that I'm thinking through. And uh, probably your uh, listeners, uh, can can give you better vocabulary than that or can feedback on that so you you heard the term uh, that's called the the new normal 
-hmm. the new normal. And I don't really uh, buy that because a new normal means that whatever used to be, we tweaked it to our present realities and that becomes a new normal. I would prefer calling it a new reality. Mm. That's your new reality. Not a new normal, but a new reality. And I don't want to get too deep into that earlier part of this podcast. But I just think that we've been focusing so much on how the industry has changed, how management has changed, how organizations have changed, how our deliverables have changed, how our delivery systems have changed, how our drivers have changed. But the real issue is you have changed. Your assumptions have changed. Your way of thinking has changed. Your decision making has changed. So until so, it all emanates from you, the leader who's watching me or listening to me right now. So the real question for us to wrestle with is, how have I changed? And we know life is about two things, right? It's about self-awareness and self-management, self-awareness, self-management. And I think a lot of people are aware of the business, aware of their ecosystems, but not as self-aware as to what is going on. And if you're not self-aware, you cannot manage yourself. Mm -hmm. So I could go on and on on that, but I think I need to quit right there and say to people, you have a new reality which means you have to look at yourself. It's more than being introspective. It is really saying, how have I shifted? How has how's my family life shifted? How's my finances shifted? How, how am I thinking differently about different things? For example, I, and I'll quit after that. Uh, you know, right now we're talking about the great resignation, the great resignation. Uh, yeah, there are all kinds of, I mean, anybody reading anything on that, listening in, uh, on that knows all the theories, all the, reasons behind that. But I think the greatest reason is more people are more self-aware, hence making quality of life decisions and not financial decisions. So all that to say, out of those three changes, uh, realizing that you have changed is a biggie. So, so Sam, uh, I guess one of the questions that really comes up to me is when you talk about that self-reflection, what are, what are some of the questions that you're asking yourself as you've gone through this time to kind of flesh out, you know, how, how you've changed? Obviously, shifting, you know, you, you don't necessarily see all these things until you really start fleshing them out and putting them on paper. What are some of the questions that you ask? To That's a great question, going? Travis, because the questions I'm about to give you were asked by people in my consulting work, if you were above 55, 55 years of age and over, the questions I'm about to give you would be the questions they would answer. But that has changed. Now the question, that's those same questions, same set of questions are being asked earlier by 22, 25, 28 years old. And it all comes under the big umbrella, what we call existential questions, existential questions. And, and, and from there, the first question is, why do I exist? And then people start asking the questions such as, is this what life is all about? There's gotta be more to life than this. It is it, going to the office <laughs> and grinding it out, going to meetings and getting frustrated out of that is climbing the ladder 
really what this is all about. So there's got to be more to life than this. And then there it becomes even deeper than that. Who really loves me and cares for me? Am I just a cog in somebody else's wheel? Am I turning somebody else's wheel? Or do I have a wheel of my own? And, and where do I go with that? Existential questions like who loves me for who I am, not what I do for them, but as a human being, as a as a person who cares for me. And, and am I being used by a system or is a system not necessary for me? Uh, do I really need all the toys? Do I need all the clothes and all the shoes and all the cars mm -hmm. and all the houses? And do, do I need a mega mansion or, or can I live in a smaller house and downsize my my way of living who who do i want to do life with what is family all about you know it, 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 at the end of the day when uh, i'm 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 laying on my hospital bed or whatever uh, i'm dying i mean nobody says i wish i spent more time at the office so those are the existential questions we have to ask of travis which said to us you know there's more to life than this and I think that is the impetus behind what people smarter than me are dissecting and bisecting called the great resignation. Mm. And, and, so, and so it's just the existential issues of why do we do what we do? Why do I get dressed and go there? And do I have purpose in life? Uh I know I can help others with their purpose, but do I have purpose in life? I think that's what your podcast is about, helping people discover their yeah. purpose in life and where they want to go. And I, I want to tell you the greatest gift somebody has given me in my life, many people have done that, is to help me des design, well, not design, discover, mm. and then develop, and then deploy. So those are the three things I think are going on in a very, very quick nanosecond, people discovering, developing, deploying. And that is why they are not being motivated by the same motivations that people motivated by that would be that would be more materialistic way of thinking and material people found out you can have all the money you want to but if covid wants to get a hold of you you will die yeah. and they discovered that money does not give you satisfaction money does not give you peace of mind all money does it gives you options and and i think people have made that discovery in their life and are choosing that so yes it's the existential angst that is governing our lives. And I, I think that's not a bad thing. Wow. Wow. You could go on and on on that subject right now and what we're dealing with in the workforce. We, we, I see it daily. I mean, even within the own organization I work, work in, you know, the challenges of, uh, you know, trying to recruit, you know, top level leaders is, is getting harder and harder to find. And, we're having to sh shift the way we do business, especially in an industry that doesn't slow down. Um, I can see that as being a challenge. So you mentioned a term in your book that call, you call the infliction point, which is defined as the way things were isn't the way things will be. And so how does this apply to leaders in the way they are lead their teams and organizations like today? That's the inflection points as, you know, a, a simple diagram is there's a line going like this and all of a sudden there's a Y, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and you, you got to take one of the one of the other. And, and I think where the inflection points would be how decision making is being done, who the decision makers are, because I think everything is flipped. 
as to who the decision makers are in industries now. Uh, I think our processes have shifted. Uh, and, and, and we are seeing, for for example, all the all the ships that are lined up on the east coast and the west coast, you know, trying to get our Christmas to us. Uh, mm. We may have Christmas in February, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably that's a possibility that could happen. Our resources have shifted. I think resources used to be more uh, tangible, financial, but as you said just a moment ago. Uh, our human resources are getting harder and harder to procure uh, because uh, it used to be very concrete. You know, we offered somebody a, a position. We offered them uh, the salary that went with it. We offered them the benefits that went with it. And we told them how wonderful life will be because of all of that. And, and those, uh, the bait on the hook is not working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so we are trying to catch fishes with the old bait and the bait is different. Not about the quality of life. I think that's uh, another thing. I think uh, the people who are ruling our world life right now are innovators, solution oriented people. Uh, let's figure this out, people. I think I think short term thinkers are ruling the world right now not long-term thinkers, because everybody knows there's nothing there's nothing wrong. I'll just give you one more, uh, is quick learners, people who learn quickly. And uh, uh, let me give you just one more. I said one more, let me give you one more. I think we are moving from teaching to learning. It is not what am I teaching, is what people are learning. So even as I'm talking to you, my, my head is not in uh, content. I'm not trying to teach content. I'm hoping that somebody will not only learn something, but I will trigger a thought in their life. And all it takes is one thought that can change your, your life. I, I think that's true for all of us on this call right now. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't take a whole lot of thinking to do that. Yeah, so people are in inflection points personally, organizationally, in their worlds. They are inflection points. Is which way do I go? Yeah, so I know for myself and Travis, we're learning a lot in just a short time. We've talked already, um, but kind of moving along um, you, in your book, you talk about the pace of change, talking about rapid change and very few organizations have escaped that demand for rapid change. You know, the pandemic has caused organizations to experience rapid change, sometimes not given that, that time or due diligence for for the uh, decisions for change that's necessary in kind of normal times, well, the previous normal. Um, so how has this rapid change transformed the way that we lead organizations today? Well, that's a, that's a really, really good question. So let me start by kind of delving into uh, both sides of our world, business world have changed, consumers have changed and workers have changed. Uh, deliverables may remain the same in your industry, getting people from point A to point B with the least amount of hassle. You know, that's mm -hmm. basically uh, what private aviation is about. Uh, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to down, down that right now, because but you're, you're getting people from point A to point B without going through all the drama that you have to go to, you manage their time, you manage, I mean, it is, it is all about uh, making it easier. So, but your consumer, not only has your consumer shifted, but your delivery systems have shifted. Mm -hmm. 
and the drivers of those delivery systems have shifted. So consumers have shifted and workers have shifted. And it's that awkward dance. And now if you can, uh, for those brief moments, put them together, uh, I think that works, but it has, it is becoming more and more difficult. So the way I would like to probably uh, wrap up this question is, in my mind, the difference between preparation and planning, preparation and planning, two different. So let me give you a really uh, an airport example, an airport example. Uh, Planning is very tactical. Preparation is more strategic. So uh, you you run into me at the in the airport or uh, a lounge in a private uh, space lounge, and you look at my carry on. You open my carry on, and and you see there there is a, there's a scarf, there's a hat, there are gloves, there are jacket. Uh, you know, there's long johns and thermal underwear. So you may you may not know where I'm going but you know I'm going to some place that is cold. On the other hand, you open my carry-on and uh, in there you see flip-flops and shorts and sandals and t-shirts. You don't know exactly where I'm going, but you know I'm going somewhere warm. Mm. So I want to ask people and their organizations, what is in your suitcase? Because that tells me what I, you are prepared for because you never pack for where you've been you don't pack for where you are, you pack for where you are going. And smart travelers, you know, there was a time before all this happened, I was like on 180 flights a year, or 200 flights a year. So uh, so I know a little bit about packing and, and you're always checking the weather as to where you are going and you pack for where you are going. That's called preparation. Planning is... I'm going to Miami, the temperature is going to be 89. I'm going to be on the beach. I'm going to be at this hotel. I'm going to be, do, so that is tactical, specific, concrete planning. And we are not careful, organizations will spend all their meeting times, be it Zoom or in person or whatever you're using, StreamYard, whatever you're doing, you, you'll end up focusing on planning rather than preparing. So this is what happened. Companies all over the world planned for coming back, but didn't prepare for the changes that have taken place. Didn't prepare for the, the your, your workers, the employees, the team members who left you in March of 2020 are not the same people who are coming back. <laughs> they're, they are not thinking the same way. They are not acting the same way. They're, they're not deciding the same way. They may look the same with a little bit more weight on them maybe. They look the same with a little bit this, that, the other. But on the outside, they may look the same. But the same people who left you are not coming back. So they planned for... Uh, social distancing and they planned for masking and they planned for vaccinations and they planned for this, that, the other. They planned for technology, but they didn't prepare for what I call the soft side of leadership, which is the people side of leadership. Mm -hmm. Hence, it seems like management has become tone deaf mm. to the reality. Uh, I, I'd like to, I like to say that what is obvious, they're oblivious to. 
So what's obvious to the workforce, what's obvious to the workforce seems like executive leadership is oblivious to. So the obvious and oblivious. You know, if I, if you and I are see, uh, sitting uh, together having a meal and I have a piece of a bread, you know, hanging out in my beard over here, it's obvious to you, but I'm oblivious to it unless you tell me, hey, Sam, you got some bread over there. And I, mm -hmm. I you know, I then flick it off then. And I think that's what's going on right now. Uh, the challenge between obvious and oblivious. So all that to say that we as people, we as organizations, profit and non-profit, doesn't matter who you are, we have to spend more time preparing than planning, more in the abstract than the concrete. Wow, that is that's pure that is pure gold right there. So moving moving along, you know, you talk a lot about people change in this in your book. Um, you said the urgency of change in the pandemic has flipped the organizational chart upside down. What do you mean by that? Oh, that became so so very very interesting. You know, uh, people who uh, were never in the executive rooms, decision making became deciders. For example, your graphics people, your media people, your tech technology people. These people were never in the executive decision-making suites. Mm. I, mean, I mean, they were way down the totem pole and they were didn't have a title of anything. So some vice president, some executive director, whatever their title is, would, would get the marching orders in their executive rooms and they would then try to get it down to, uh, you know, to the people. Uh, uh, down there and said, this is what we're going to do. And this is what, when we need it from what's ha what happened after that was a total disruption of that whole thing. The, the, uh, I'm going to say something that will be pejorative, but don't mean to, I'm saying it for effect. So that, I just want to say that the peons of the company, <laughs> the invisible people of the company, the people who didn't get the corner office with three windows, uh, people who work in cubicles, stared at computers, people you never talked to before. You didn't even know their name. Now you're saying hello to them. Now you're inviting them to the meeting because so your decision makers became obsolete. <laughs> and these are the people who start telling you, no, we can't do that. Yes, we can do that. And this is how we're going to do that. And this is when you're going to do this. And, and here's the platform you're going to use for this. No, we can't do that. But this is how we're going to do that. You've got your marching orders. So it was like you had you had your shelves full of product, but there were other people telling you what you're going to do with the uh, stuff on the shelves. And I think that's just one example of how the whole organizational structure has flipped. Back to the great resignation right now. Who's in the driver's seat? Not the CEO. CEO is not in the driver's seat. Now the CEO can get in the driver's seat if the CEO becomes empathetic, compassionate, understanding. If the CEO could gather cadres of small groups of people and say, if you could, if you wanted to work here and we could create the ideal situation for you, what would that be? and not try to make decisions, just sit there and take notes. Just sit there and take notes. Just go on a learning tour, a listening tour. It shouldn't take you more than a week to do that. And then come back into your chambers and say, this is what I'm hearing in my office environment as what people would consider value. You know, it's the Peter Drucker question. What do people consider value and how do we deliver that? Mm -hmm. But people, so CEOs have not, realize they have changed and they're still coming down from the top down. It's not going to work anymore. It's like, I don't need your job. 
go jump wherever. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm saying to CEOs, every CEO that I'm working with, every executive director, every, you know, every lead leader that I'm working with, I'm saying to them, hey, listen, can I ask you to take three days, five days and go on a learning tour, listening tour, get into groups of no more than eight or nine people, no more than that. Because after that, it becomes like a, a large group meeting, eight, nine people and ask them one simple question. If, if I could get you to keep working here and keep doing what you are doing, what, how do we need to organize ourselves for you to deliver on that? Just listen to them. You don't have to sit there, make a decision, take notes, and then take all those notes into your room and then say, this is what our people are telling us. Because if you value your people, you listen to your people. If you value your people, you know that they're not stupid. They're bringing wisdom to you. In my, in my book, uh, Ladder Leaders, you know, I talk about how you can be the best ladder climber. That means the visionary. You can have the best ladder, which means the vision. But those who are holding your ladder, those who are answering your phones, who are doing your technology, those who are making the thing work is, are the ones who are going to make you go higher. So I think we have to rethink. We have to rethink human beings. Mm. But we're not looking at automatons now. We're looking looking at feeling people who are dealing with the aftermath of great loss and great grief that is unrequited and needs somewhere to go. Wow. Well, all right. Uh, well, th this uh, we're going to wrap it up here for part one. Um, uh, Sam, before we go for part one, uh, do you want to talk a little about your newest book? Absolutely. So my newest book is, can I hold it up? Yeah. yeah. Change has changed. And all my books come out in Spanish as well. I can't really pronounce that. You know, I, I don't <laughs> speak a whole. Uh, C and nada is about as far as I can get. So change has changed, which simply says to us, it's time for strategic reset. And some of the things that we're talking about are in this book. It's a, it's a, it's a quick read. So again, I had to change. I used to write those 24 page books, <laughs> you know, but I realized <laughs> reading has, has shifted and listening has changed, shifted and watching has shifted. So there was a time we could have done a 40 minute podcast, but now you are breaking down to 20 simply because we understand who we're dealing with. And the same book is available in Spanish as well. So change has changed and I'm sure you will tell people how to get that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, thank you so much, Sam. Uh, I know it's been a really good hearing. You know, all the different leadership ideas and and things that you've been talking about from your book. And look forward to continuing the uh, discussion in part two. So thank I'm you looking for forward to it as well. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Sam.